0: It is a privilege for me to stand uh, before you tonight and through the course of this couple's retreat. Uh, Brother Mike gave some of the details. I appreciate uh, the Herbsters and the Bills and uh, all the staff here at Southland. Uh, This has become a special place to us uh, because of special friends. And um, a privilege to stand before you tonight and through the course of this weekend. And uh, if I do a really poor job, you can come back next weekend and hear... (laughs) hear uh, uh, another, another set of messages and so forth. No, I think next weekend is full, so there must not have been anything going on in Louisiana. So uh, <laughs> I think that's what, what they said. But uh, uh, my wife and I have been married, we'll be married now 29 years. So 29 years ago, uh, last month, we met in February of our senior year in college, and uh, I was headed into the ministry. Uh, one of the funny things that happened is I was dating my wife for the very first time. She went back to the dorm room and uh, several of the girls said, hey, how did how the date go? Did you enjoy him and everything like this? Was it a fun time? We'd spent three hours together. We had a lot of things in common. I thought we had a great time. I was excited to ask her out again, but she told all the girls that she would, you know, had a nice time, but she'd never marry me because I was going in the ministry. And, uh, her dad is a pastor and has served as a pastor all of her life. And she's like, I'm not going to marry a guy who's going into the ministry. Cause I've watched my dad, uh, in that realm all my life. And, uh, thankfully the Lord changed her heart and, uh, she, uh, stayed with me and, uh, we met in February we got married in October. And so it went pretty quick and I had to, had to reel her in fast so that she didn't get away, <laughs> uh, if you would. And, uh, so we graduated from college in May. I went into the ministry in Lakeland, Florida and, uh, served there for a short period of time. Then the wife, or then the Lord took us, took my wife and I out of the country and, uh, we served on a short-term mission field or the mission field is long-term, but it was a short term there with them. And, uh, the Lord taught us so much. And, and I bring that part of it up because we got married in October, And I sent a letter to her dad about the end of January and said, Dad, I'm going to be taking your daughter out of the country. And uh, we're going to follow the Lord's leadership into this uh, foreign location. I won't tell you where it is because then you'll be like, oh, you really didn't suffer. But uh, okay, okay, full disclosure, we moved to the Grand Caymans. And uh, we, we didn't know that it was the Grand Caymans when we went there, okay? I was really young and naive, and I asked the missionary, I said, do they speak English? And I was stupid in retrospect. But my wife and I, so we get married in October. We moved to the Caymans, set up shop, leading the church and everything like that in, in the absence of the missionary. And one night, uh, a, a gentleman named Joe and his wife, Barbara Caymanians, called us and said, Pastor Todd, we need you to come over. And I said, okay, my wife and I will be there later on the night after supper. And he said, sat down across from the living room there and everything like this, said, Pastor Todd, we've been married for 25 years and we need some marriage counseling. I said, Well, my vast array of knowledge of four months (laughs) and all that I've accrued in my relationship with my wife, let me help you with your needs. And I thought to myself, I said, right then, I don't have anything to set before them they've been married for 25 years. They've been involved in it far longer than me, but the Bible does have the answer. And so the word of God can help us through each and every decision that we make. And God uh, used that time in our lives. We were really there uh, flying solo and no family and uh, distant from everyone that uh, we'd been with and so forth. And we uh, kind of developed uh, our marriage and everything like that in that short term away from the country and Away from everything. And then the Lord's directed our path. We spent 22 and a half years in East Tennessee, and uh, we love East Tennessee. Thought we'd spend the rest of our lives there. Uh, But the church that I grew up in in 2016 went through a number of different issues, and they were in need of a pastor. And so the Lord opened the door for me to go back to where I was born and raised, and that's not normal. Uh, And it's very humbling uh, to think that I'd have the privilege to pastor the church uh, that I was born into and, uh, God's blessed us in a wonderful way. I want to get to know you. It's more important for me to kind of know my audience and so forth. So let me ask you all some questions and maybe we'll get some. Now I don't have, I don't have a stick for you, for your back. So I'll just ask you, you just have to be honest here as we consider this tonight. All right. So I'm going to ask you some questions here. How many of you, if anyone has been married less than six months, anyone at all? All right, so these are veterans, okay, all right. (laughs) How many of you got married within six months of the time that you met? Anyone at all? All right, so everybody knew, okay. Anyone that knew each other for more than five years before you got married? All right, you knew each other, all right. Was it because you were young and could not get married, or was it because he just didn't ask? in college okay so waiting for the appropriate time all right what was the other one there high school high school okay all right i think that's brother mike and miss amy high school and then college any anyone else all right go ahead dad said no. <laughs> her dad said no when he first met you we understand that we understand that i that's not that's not a stretch all right is that what happened so you okay? So in my case, you know, again, this this dates us, but I had to send a letter to my father in law to ask for her hand in marriage. It was things you folded and you put in an envelope <laughs> and you stamped and you sent it through the mail. The money, right? Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Okay, so so how did the turn down go? Was it amicable? Was it like not now? Was it not ever? Uh, not, now, not, now. not now. Okay. We Seven years. Seven. Okay. 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 All right. Now he didn't pull. He didn't pull the switcheroo, though. This is the one you intended to marry, right? Not his It is Not her sister. Okay. It is the older sister. Oh, oh. We better. We better not go too far down that road. All right. All right. In this case, though, it's the better looking sister, right? Right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Now, what about in your case? It was definitely no. It turned out. It was definitely what I want to hear. What she said. When person? Oh, it was like th- this is a final decision. It was a end of discussion. Okay. And he waited a year and they came back. Did you throw in a cow? Did you throw in an extra pig or anything like that? All right. Really. The Lord changed his heart. That's pretty much what it. Was. The Lord changed him or your dad? Both. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's good. That's good. I like that. I like that. Okay. Uh, is there anyone that eloped? Anyone that eloped? No. Nobody eloped. All right. All right, how, what's the longest engagement? Longest engagement. So I asked my wife to marry me in June. We got married in October. So we had, what, three months, four months there? All right, six, 10, four months. Longest engagement. Anybody engaged for more than a year? You got, okay, this is, some, okay, more than a year? Okay, all right. How What length of time then between when you get? 15 months? All right, okay separation that caused that or just the planning of the wedding or uh, school and family. okay school and family okay all right but not twi- trying to twist the dad's arm <laughs> to to get in there all right all right anyone that's been married more than 50 years anyone been married more than 50 okay more than 30 okay how how long 49 in May 49 in May so close to 50 okay Thirty-one in May. Okay, all right. Forty-two. Forty-two. Okay. What was the? Was there there another hand there? Forty-three. Forty-three. Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. That's fantastic. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, How many are grandparents? How many are grandparents? Okay. All right. Quite a few. How many grandkids? Twelve. Twelve. Three. Well, two and one on the way. Two and one on the way. Okay. So this is mom and dad and son or daughter and son-in-law. Son. son and daughter-in-law. <laughs> okay. What was it like when you asked him to get married to, get married to his daughter? The, no, I'm, I'm You're this. oh, okay. Okay. I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it right. Okay. All right. The son, you didn't have to ask. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. We'll get, we'll get this straight. Okay. Where was the other grandparents here? All right. Seven with one on the way. All right. All right. Another grand set of grandparents. Seven? Okay. All right. Anyone else over here? All right. Ricky and Lucy, how many did you have? Six? Little Ricky had six kids? I did not realize that. Oh, my goodness. Six kids. Okay. All right. Six grandkids. Six grandkids. It's very unlikely that you'll have grandchildren if you don't have children. That's right. All right. So, all right. Let's see here. I think that's all that I was going to ask you. So my wife and I have two sons, brother Matt or brother Mike mentioned that we have a 20 year old that will be 21 in August. We have a 17 year old that will be 18 in May and uh, we are blessed uh, with the two boys. Uh, My wife says that it's better that she was in a house full of boys. She was actually brought up with two sisters. So it was a house full of girls and now she's in a house full of boys, and the bathroom's not near as clean. Uh, it's quite a bit of a difference there. Our one son is serving in the Wisconsin National Guard and uh, has developed uh, a love for our military, and uh, we're trusting the Lord. It's funny, because we meet a lot of pastors whose sons and daughters are going into law enforcement. And that's where our son ultimately wants to go, is into law enforcement. And so I I I kind of scratch my head at that because I meet pastors all the time and different ones and they're like, yeah, my son wants to be in law enforcement. I guess the difference is my brother-in-law is a Delaware State Police officer, and I kid him all the time about us both going to domestics, because I go to domestics and he goes to to domestics, but he goes armed, and I don't think that's a bad idea uh, to go armed. I shouldn't say that I might that I don't go armed. I don't go armed so that they would know that I might be armed. So anyway, it's a different thing. So the the major goal in my son's life is he just sent me a text the other day and he said, "Hey dad." And he gave me the exact number of days till he turns 21 and he can start carrying his handgun. So that's kind of in his arena and everything like that. So that's kind of the boys. We, we've got full-blooded boys, and uh, there was no doubt in their mind which bathroom to use. So uh, they, they grew up and, and uh, did pretty well. We're proud of them, thankful for them. In our series together, uh, over the course of the next couple of days, you have in your notes uh, the title uh, of the series. It's called Ancient Homes with Modern Problems. Ancient Homes with Modern Problems. If I were to counsel tonight on different homes and so forth, no doubt I would deal with the issues that are common to us all. So if I went around to every couple and I said, has there been a time in your life where you've dealt with finances as a problem in your marriage? Uh, Finances is almost always at the top of the list. It's either uh, most likely too little money because you've spent too much, and, uh, and so people will come to me all the time and they say, pastor, we have financial issues and we need help. It's at times communication and perhaps there's been a breakdown in communication. There's been a breakdown in their ability to discuss things, to see things eye to eye and, uh, to deal with matters at times. It's physical intimacy and people will come to me and they'll say, pastor, uh, we're struggling with physical intimacy and and they uh, have sat across the desk from me and they will, um, in a gracious way, but, but in a very uh, difficult way, they'll tell me, Pastor, this is what we're dealing with in our marriage. So these are the kinds of flavors that we have. And perhaps I could preach or teach all the way through each one of these individual subjects. We could go to a myriad of different places and find help. And physical intimacy. We could find help in communication, find help in finances, but I enjoy series where we kind of touch on them all the entire time. And so if you've got your notes there, we're going to walk through four different ancient homes and uh, we're actually going to begin all the way back in Genesis chapter three tonight, Genesis chapter three. And if you have in your, in your notes there, we're going to be in Genesis chapter three verses one through seven we're going to look at the very first home, Adam and Eve, the very first home. It's that of Adam and Eve. The Bible tells us that God made Adam in his image and God made Eve from Adam's rib. And he saw, man, that it was good. He brought Eve unto Adam. Uh, again, it is and it's not my purpose to take time on this tonight, but it is amazing as we live right outside the Washington, D.C. area. And how foolish so much of the debate in Washington, D.C. is right now. And how foolish, supposedly, wise adult individuals are trying to debate things that we learned in kindergarten. And uh, I just, I don't get it. I, I, again, I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C., grew up there going, going there as a kid. My wife, this past Friday, we were at a promotion ceremony for an individual moving from captain to major, and we were right on the overlook from the Pentagon at the Air Force Memorial, and my wife said, Todd, please just drive into the city. And it's literally been almost a year or better since I've been into the city because I can't stomach it. I just cannot uh, stomach the way that the country is seemingly directed right now and a lot of the legislation is being put forth and so we started driving around the city and it's just nothing like what I grew up in and nothing like what we enjoyed and the freedoms and everything like this and the fencing that's gone up all over the city people are telling me all the time hey I want to come to Washington DC and I want to see the sights and I'm like please wait don't don't come now because it's just such a different place But I tell you, if we could just get an understanding back to this first home, it would go a long way in straightening out a lot of our issues. And the fact that God made Adam and he completed Adam with a wife and her name was Eve. And the Bible tells us here that they had an issue in their home. And so each one of these messages, I'll give you the home and you can identify it there in your notes. And then I'm going to give you the issue. We'll look at four ancient homes. Now, you could do this with just about every home in the Bible. It just so happens that I've picked four. And uh, if you're in the, in the market for next weekend's retreat, uh, it will not be the same thing. Uh, but uh, I, we're going to look at homes next weekend as well and look at it from a little bit of a different perspective. But as you take notes tonight, I just want you to think on this. Ancient homes with modern problems, if we were to bring up the proverbial Oprah Winfrey show right up here in front of you, and we brought up numerous different couples, whatever they deal with goes back to what we find here in the word of God, because there's nothing new under the sun. And so tonight we're going to deal with this first matter. We're going to go all the way back to Adam and Eve. And the first issue that we find in the home of Adam and Eve is that of disobedience, disobedience. And I believe that this is a starting point for us right here. And if you do not get this matter correct, you're going to have struggles in your marriage. Genesis chapter 3, I want to read our text and then I'll pray. And we'll walk quickly through this tonight. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said. You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know. Then the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Let's pray and ask the Lord's direction as we look at this ancient home with a very modern problem. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to speak before these dear folks. I don't know all that is in their lives at this very moment, but you do. Uh, I, I don't know all the people that they might be trying to help right now, but you do. And so I pray, Father, that this would either be a help to them individually or that they'd be able to take the themes uh, as we look at these ancient homes and they'd be able to go and help perhaps a child and an in-law, perhaps sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, perhaps they'd be able to help uh, co-workers, perhaps they'd be able to take the goods that they're given and go back and help fellow church members. I don't know all the ways that you would direct us as we consider these ancient homes. But I know this, the Bible will not return void. And it will have its perfect work if we make application. We pray that you would direct my thoughts tonight. Cleanse me of sin and fill me with your spirit that I might be a vessel fit for the master's use. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ancient homes with modern problems. This first ancient home That we want to look at here over the course of the next couple of days is the home of Adam and Eve. What was their problem? It was this matter of disobedience. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the nature of Andy Griffith. Some are. It was mentioned tonight. Someone put the tag on the back and said they loved Andy Griffith. I tell you, I could watch Andy Griffith over and over and over again. I downloaded the third season because we were going to be flying today, and I started to watch an episode, and I was watching an episode, if you're familiar with Andy Griffith, the debate rages as to who Andy should have married, okay? I am not a Helen Crump fan, all right? So I'm not in the Helen Crump arena, I don't think he should have married Helen, I don't think he should have gone down that path. I'm a Peggy man, all right? I think he should have stayed with Peggy, all right? Well, if you go to the trivia related to Andy Griffith, you find that they removed Peggy from the series because Peggy was too high flutin' for Andy and Mayberry. And so she was only in four episodes, but I was watching an episode today where Andy first took Peggy out. All right, Now, for some of you young people, Andy Griffiths is a black and white show, and in the old days, the TVs used to be huge and used to have these tubes and everything that ran them and so forth. And uh, we have enjoyed their reruns for now better than 50 years, okay? Andy's going home with Peggy, and man, they had a sweet time out at the lake, skipping rocks. Everything was going smooth until the next day when Barney found out that Peggy's dad sent her a brand new car, and all of a sudden, Barney started talking to Andy. It dawned on me today, the biggest problem with Andy's life was Barney. (laughs) If he would have dumped Barney all the way back in high school and said, this is a negative influence on my life, he would have been fantastic, but the show wouldn't have gone on. We all remember when Barney left the show, it turned into color episodes and it went downhill. All right. Now, you say, well, tell me, Pastor, why the Andy Griffith episode? Well, if I can take you to the episode where where Barney is waxing eloquent about the jail, do you remember there are two rules in the jail? You remember this? There's only two rules in the jail, and it's the big house episode. There's two rules in the jail. Number one, obey all rules. That's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Number two, no writing on the walls as it is hard to remove writing from the walls. That's only two rules in the Mayberry jail. You say, man, that would be fantastic. Listen, I'm going to get even simpler with you. Adam and Eve only had one rule. Can you imagine their lives and how it must have been? to go and do whatever they wanted to do. They didn't have to worry about traffic tickets. They didn't have to worry about law enforcement and yielding. They didn't have to worry about stop signs. They didn't have to worry about uh, theft. They didn't have to worry about anything else. There was one thing that they had to obey. The Bible says they were not to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, again, it's not my purpose to tonight. There are so many different ways that you could develop the message and speak on the matter of Eve's presence there. And the absence of Adam and everything that was going on. But we understand this bottom line. Here it is. Eve is deceived by Satan. The Bible says that he was more subtle than all the beasts of the field. Eve partook of the fruit. And then the Bible says she gave to Adam. And Adam disobeyed God. He disobeyed God willfully. He disobeyed God knowingly. And the Bible says that that sin has now passed upon every single one of us. You and I would think tonight, boy, if I could live in an area where there was only one rule, I'd sure be the best of citizens. But I've got to tell you tonight, I can't imagine that we wouldn't be exactly like Adam and Eve. I can't believe that we wouldn't be in this same kind of struggle and that we wouldn't consider the temptation that was given there to Eve. Number one, I want you to notice with me tonight that the command was clear. The command was clear. Genesis chapter two and verse number seventeen, will you flip back there with me? Here is the clear command from Almighty God but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now let me ask you this question. Did God tell Adam the truth? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, he absolutely did. You see, God told Adam the truth, and he said, This tree is there in the in the center or in the arena of the center of the garden. And he said, Thou shalt not eat of that tree, for in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. Now, Satan's desire is revealed to us right off the bat in the word of God. And this is the exact same ploy that Satan takes with you. And this has applications for our marriage. Here it is. Yea, hath God said. Now, Satan is not asking me tonight, hey, look at this fruit, take part in this fruit. Satan isn't revealing himself in the arena of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But I tell you what, Satan has a lot of times where he will come to me and he will cause me or desire to cause me to doubt what this book really says about my life. Yay. Have God said, Husbands, love your wives? (laughs) Really? Have God said, Wives, submit to your own husbands? I mean, is it really like that? Boy, it's interesting to me, and I find this very, very significant. When you and I read Ephesians chapter 5, Before the laundry list of obligations in all of our roles, husbands, love your wives, wives, submit to your own husbands, before the the issue of fathers provoking their children to wrath, before the issue of masters, before the issue of children, obey your parents, before any of those roles are revealed, what does it say all the way back in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18? Does anybody know? It says, be filled with the Spirit. You see, I say to you folks tonight, if I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church, it will have to be because the Holy Spirit does it through me. If my wife is going to submit to me, it's going to be because the Holy Spirit does it through her. So if you came to me tonight, man, and you said, Pastor, I just cannot love my wife. I'm going to say, you're right. You've got it. The Holy Spirit of God has to love your wife through you. And you know, he will never fail. Wives, I can't submit to my husband. And you're right. But the Holy Spirit working in your life can bring you to that place of submission. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children are not normally obedient. It's funny. I remember the times that my parents disciplined me more than my parents remember it. And as through the years I've been able to pastor my parents... And so when I'd be preaching, my parents would hear stories from me and they'd be sitting there like, I don't remember that. (laughs) And I'm like, I remember it. (laughs) And you know what? Now What's happened now with our 18-year-old or or soon to be 18, soon to be 21? they, They said to us the other day, just the other day, our youngest son, Carson, said, Dad, I remember going home one night and you got so upset with me and Reagan and when we got home, boy, you tanned our hide. He didn't use that exact word. That's my lingo. But I was like, Carson, I really don't remember that. And he's like, boy, I do. I remember it. Well, the truth of the matter is, folks, that in every single area of our responsibilities, if we are not directed by the Holy Spirit of God, we will never be what God would have us to be. Yea, hath God said. Boy, that is the ploy of Satan in every single one of the arenas of temptation that you face. You see, if he can get you to doubt what this book says, he's got you in perfect conditioning to guide your life wherever he wants it to go. Yea, hath God said, flee fornication? Yea, hath God said, I'll set no wicked thing before mine eye? Yea, hath God said, Train up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? I mean, this can go on and on and on. And you know what? It's not a debate amongst the world. It is amazing to me how people sit in churches week after week after week and want to debate me on the clarity of this book. It says it right here in black and white. Uh, I'm just not so sure about that. Yay? Hath God said? Well, first of all, they doubted God's word. Chapter three, verse number one. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You see, if we doubt that God said it, then it's easy to convince ourselves that we do not have to live it. If we doubt that God said it, then it is easy for us to convince ourselves that we do not have to live it. If we doubt the validity, the validity and application of God's word, we're on a downhill slope of disobedience. They doubted God's word. We have all kinds of areas in which God has specifically spoken. And Satan steps in and says, you know what? I'm not so sure that that was really God's way or God's word. And so the first matter is doubting God's word. The second thing that we come into this matter that was so clear, they departed from God's way. Look down at verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. The command was so clear. And yet Satan brought them to the place of doubting God's word and it brought them then to the place of departure from God's way. The Bible says this is the way walk ye in it. Now, no matter how long you knew each other before you got married, there were still things that were a surprise to you once you got married, okay? One of the things that I love about pastoral counseling with young couples that are going to get married, I love having them in my office. And they come in, and through the years I've been privileged to do quite a few weddings, and I I love participating in weddings. It's such a special day. Love participating with the families. I just, I love love the opportunity, but it's amazing to me. And perhaps you guys did this. I don't know. Couples will sit across the desk from me and they'll say, Pastor, we're coming for counseling today in preparation for our marriage, but really, we already know so much about each other. And I just sit back and say, really, isn't that wonderful? I'm so glad that you have such great insight and knowledge of each other. This is going to be so easy for you when you get married. And then she begins the process of wedding preparation. And the groom is like, what has happened to her? Nothing's working out. The dress doesn't come in in time. The bridesmaids dresses are not right. The day of the wedding, the hairstyles are not right. Nothing fits as it should. The groom saw this too soon, saw this too late. The flowers aren't right. The bouquets aren't right. I mean, after all, the church is a mess. (laughs) And and they're just like, they're they're just, "Who, who, who, who am I getting married to? Well, that's not the, that's not the end. They get to their honeymoon. Now, we're in Christian circles. Okay, so my wife and I both raised up in ministers' homes. 21 years of my life. I'm forbidden from being in a hotel room alone with a woman. (laughs) So we got married in Elton, Maryland. My wife's family was predominantly from the area of Elkton. Her grandmother lived close, her grandfather. But the night we got married, we drove down to Baltimore. We were going to spend the night in a posh posh J.W. Marriott. And again, growing up, Christian home, Christian circles. We're now in a car all by ourselves. (laughs) Driving to Baltimore, Maryland. We check into the hotel. J.W. Marriott, we're flying out the next day. Oh, this is awesome! <laughs> we get the key card for the hotel room. And we go to the hotel room door. Nervous as J Birds now. <laughs> My parents are going to kill me. <clears throat> And I unlock the door with my beloved bride. And I open the door to the hotel room where I'm going in with my bride. And there are clothes strewn everywhere. (laughs) Thankfully, it was one of those rooms where everything's tucked around a corner. And when I opened the room, we hear this sheepish hello? <laughs> and my wife and I are like hello? Now I've heard of buddy moons, but this was this was too much, all right? Now, I don't know if you've heard about buddy moons, but they're trying to cut expenses and so they're trying to get couples to go together on their honeymoon. They call it a buddy moon, cut down on expenses. So, I'm like, I don't think this is good. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do. That. Here they had given us the keys to someone else's room. This whoever, we have no idea who it was in. We never saw them. We just knew this is not normal. So here's our wedding night. We get into an actual room that's going to only belong to us. My wife is like moving the couch in front of the door. She's moving the the refrigerator in front of the door. She's moving everything in front of the door because she's like, that ain't happening to us. (laughs) And I'm like, we're going to stay the night all by ourselves. Mom and dad aren't calling. There's no cell phones available at this time. And we're scared to death. And you know what? We're so grateful that our parents trained us up That as awkward as that first night was, my parents and her parents trained us up to do it God's way. There's a lot of temptations out there for young people. You've got young people, you've got grandkids, you've got children of your own. There's all kinds of temptations for our 20-year-olds, for our 18-year-olds, for our 12-year-olds. And Satan is just right there saying, "Yay!" Have your parents said? Have God said? Your parents are great. They don't know what they're talking about. They're trying to deprive you of a good time. And the truth of the matter is the command was very clear. Do what is right. Do what is right. Obey my word. Stay in my way. And the Bible then goes on to tell us us after the command that was given was so clear, we also find a second thing and we find it very clearly as well. Here it is. Number two, the consequences were certain. The command was clear, but number two, the consequences were certain. Look at the end of verse number 17 from chapter 2. The Bible says, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. This is not a negotiable issue. This is not, let me think it over and maybe I'll come up with a different punishment. No, the command was clear. They doubted God's word. They departed from God's way. And yet God had made it clear that the consequences were certain. Now listen to me carefully. Satan will always seek to hide the consequences. He's a master of it. My aunt sent me a note many years ago. And uh, she, you know, she's the sweetest of aunts. She, She always said to me when I was a kid growing up, she's like Todd. You should really kiss whoever you're gonna get married to before you get married. She's a godly woman. She really is. But she said, You really should kiss them before you get married. I was like, hey, Aunt, you're right, you know. (laughs) Here is her philosophy. She said, What happens if you get on that wedding day and he says, Now, bride, your husband, you can kiss the bride, and you don't like the kiss. You're sunk. And so that was her thinking. She was like, oh, you, you've got you've to kiss her before you're going to get married and just make sure that you like the kissing, all right? You say, well, why'd you share that one? I shared that one with you to share this, this more serious one. She said, it's interesting to me how many men are trying to change the skirt and the person in the skirt so that they can have a better marriage. And she said, it's interesting to me how many women are trying to change the pants or the husband, thinking that they're going to have a better marriage. The truth of the matter is, God has said, this is the way, walk ye in it. And for every diversion from that right way, there are consequences. For some tonight, you may have experienced divorce. You may have been through the Nature of that. And you know what? I'm very sorry. Can't go back and change that that's occurred. Perhaps you grew up in a divorced home. You can't change any of those things. But you can, from this day forward, say that by God's grace, we're going to have a different outcome from what others are expecting. Satan will always seek to hide the consequences, he wants us to dismiss the consequences and praise the actual activity. So if I feed my flesh, feed my flesh, feed my flesh, there'll be no ramifications for it. Satan will seek to hide the consequences. But number two, I want you to see this about the consequences being certain. God allows us to choose our path because we are not robots, but we do not get to choose our consequences. God allows us to choose our path because we're not robots, but we do not get to choose our consequences. So how many people tonight in the world would say, you know what? If I just change the skirt, I'll have a better marriage. If I just change the set of pants, I'll have a better marriage. When the truth of the matter is that God wants us all to look within. So if my marriage needs to be improved, it's not by me telling my wife what she needs to fix. It's me getting down on my own knees and saying, dear Lord, do the work in me first and foremost. Some really dear friends of my parents, they live up in Pennsylvania. This is a true story, and they actually wound up getting a divorce. But God worked miraculously, and they got back together. But before they went through all these things by way of the divorce and everything like this, or or after coming out of the divorce, and the whole process, the wife has this testimony. She's given it at different times in different ladies' meetings. She was so upset with the way that her husband was living that, that, that he just was not a better husband. So she started putting up verses all over the house. And so on the refrigerator door, there's a verse. In the bathroom, there's a verse. Their bedroom, there's a verse. She just started putting up sticky notes everywhere with all these verses. She's like, I'm going to fix my husband. I'm going to put up all these verses, and it's going to fix him. What wound up happening was, as she began to write those verses and everything like this, true story. God was doing the work in her heart. And I watch this happen over and over and over again when I sit across the desk from a couple that's in trouble or that's having difficulty. They're well capable of taking their sharpened pen, opening their vast book, and revealing all the problems that are there in their spouse. But I don't know that I've ever had two young, or two, two individuals come into my office and say, Pastor... We've got problems in our marriage. And let me tell you what I've done wrong to bring it to this place. You see, we all must understand that we have the opportunity to make wise choices. We have the opportunity to make poor choices. We're not mind run, mind numbed robots. We live in a world that wants to dismiss the consequences. We want to participate in all different kinds of fleshly appetite things. And then pretend that there'll be no consequences. But the truth of the matter is that God says, yes, there will be consequences. And he said to them, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Let's go to number three. The command was clear. The consequences were certain. And then number three, this is this early home. This is this ancient home with a modern problem. problem of disobedience. Their choice was catastrophic. Their choice was catastrophic. Now, I won't take time to read this, but you can write in your notes Genesis chapter 3 verses 14 through 24. <clears throat> Adam and Eve lost their created perfection. Adam and Eve lost God's constant presence. Adam and Eve lost their contact with paradise. God made a move. You see, they made a choice to disobey God. And now all of creation has been affected by their disobedience. Now, can I say it to you this way? You and I can choose to live in disobedience and think to ourselves that it won't affect anyone else. But it does. So every decision that I make, has an impact on my wife. Every decision that I make has an impact on our two boys. In truth, a decision that I could make tonight would have a deep impact on my parents. A decision that I could make tonight would have a deep impact on my in-laws. We're not islands. So God's given a clear command. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Satan steps in and says, Yay, hath God said? Don't believe any of that. Go your own way, do your own thing. Perhaps tonight your marriage is on good ground, but boy, Satan just would love to fly out the lure that's going to pull you away at any given moment. It's interesting to me in First Peter chapter five and verse eight that the Bible says the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I remember in the old days of cartoons. There was a specific cartoon, and I don't remember the nature of the rest of the cartoon, but I specifically remember that a lion comes out of the jungle and sits down because he's going to eat one of the main characters, okay? And so the lion comes out of the jungle with the great roar and everything like this, and then the lion daintily pulls out a napkin and begins to tie it around its neck. Daintily pulls out a fork and a knife, and daintily says, okay, this is going to be a great meal. You know, I, I will never forget that as as by way of this illustration in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. Listen to me carefully, and we'll close here tonight. The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Okay, listen to this carefully. I believe with all of my heart, the devil walks about looking for marriages, looking for families, husbands, wives, children. The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Listen to this. He wants to leave no shred of evidence of what once existed. So if you've ever traveled, if you've ever been in any arena where you've seen how a lion eats, they don't pull out the napkin. They don't pull out the fork and knife. They devour their food and they leave no shred of evidence of what once existed And I say to all of you tonight, for everyone that you have the opportunity to influence with your children, with your grandchildren, in every marriage, listen to me carefully. Satan wants to destroy your marriage and leave no shred of evidence of what once existed. So he wants to drive a wedge between me and my wife. He wants to drive a wedge between our children and us. He wants to drive a wedge in everything he can. And he wants us to be 10, 15 years down the road and have someone come by and say, tell me about your life. Well, I got divorced 15 years ago. Tell us about your spouse. Well, we had a bitter, bitter fight in court. What happened to your kids? I don't know. I haven't seen them in 14 years. Do they have any grandkids? have no idea. Satan wants to leave no shred of evidence of what once existed. And we go all the way back to this ancient home, and we find that they had a, a real problem, and that real problem was disobedience. It brings me to this. Folks, This is the way, walk ye in it. It's not palatable to the flesh, but it is the place of most blessing. Now I wonder tonight, as we look at this ancient home with a modern problem, I wonder tonight if your modern home has this very ancient problem. And that God would bring you to the place of just saying, Lord, You reveal Yourself to me in this Word, and I'm going to do exactly what the Bible says I ought to be doing as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother. I'm going to abide by Your book because I sure don't want to have this ancient problem in our modern home. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the opportunity to again gather tonight. I pray that this has been a help. We've just touched the surface tonight in one area of disobedience, and I don't know but that there are couples here tonight that are just on the fence of this matter and really believing what the Word of God says. It is my prayer that each of the marriages are strong. And of course, we'd come to a time like this thinking that the marriages are in good shape. They've put forth the effort. They've put forth the time. They've put forth the money to be able to come away for a time in a couple's retreat. So that speaks good. It speaks good things. But perhaps in the privacy of the home, there's a husband that doubts what God says. Perhaps in the home, there's a wife that just doubts what the Bible says. And tonight you'd use the story of Adam and Eve where there was a very clear command. And the consequences were very certain. In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. That's exactly what God has said about the nature of our marriages and what will be successful, and what will end in disaster. Adam and Eve made a catastrophic choice. They disobeyed. And their disobedience affected not only them, it affected their children, and it affected all of mankind. For The Bible says that in Adam all have sinned. Again, as we begin to further unfold these ancient homes with modern problems, Lord, I pray that we take a very real look at our modern home. We just say, okay, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. See if there be anything, Lord, that Satan would use as a lure to catch me in a a fleshly desire and and in a direction that will ruin Well, I've watched a lot of young people that have given into Satan's lures. I've watched a lot of marriages in which one spouse or the other has given into Satan's lures. And so I pray for these dear folks tonight. In the quietness of this moment, Lord, would you bring conviction if conviction is necessary. In the quietness of this moment, Lord, would you put a name or a face upon the heart of each one that is in a position to help someone else. And perhaps right now they're burdened for a friend that's that's just really dealing with this matter. And you'd put their faces or names on their heart tonight, and that we'd look for opportunities to be able to help. I know my wife and I, even tonight, we have nephews that are away from you right now. Lord, I pray that you bring conviction to their heart. Both of them know better. And both of them at this very time and moment are walking in disobedience. And Lord, we pray that You'd bring conviction to their hearts. This ancient home had a very modern problem. Lord, would You help each one tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.